Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash blackcase and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash blackcase. Hey, cassettes, and welcome to another episode of the Black Case Diaries. Yo, 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 yo. (laughs) Get hyped, you guys. This is going to be an awesome episode. Yeah. I am Marcy. I'm Adam. I'm Robin. She pointed at me I, first. Oh, did she? <laughs> I kind of did. I kind of did like a finger gun. Actually, I you kind of sure you pointed happening. directly between us, and I <laughs> Adam was like, "The door, I'm sorry, the door guys. is nervous." So <laughs> I you may not talk. <laughs> I shall lead better next time. No, it's, you're doing a great job, Marcy. Oh, thanks, yeah. thanks, guys. <laughs> a plus. Oh, I'm blushing. <laughs> All right, tonight we are talking about. One of definitely my favorite things. Oh, yeah. Um, probably Ro- one of Robin's favorite things. And sure. Adam, I think, has started loving it yeah. within the past couple of Adam's years. Adam's a big fan. I do. I am a big fan. Yeah. But I haven't dove quite as deeply as you guys yet. <laughs> yeah, we have, like, all the merch. I mean, if you could get I'm on in, our level. I'm in the pool, like, on the shallow end, but you guys are down in the deep. You're past the rope and everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But <laughs> shrouded in all this, we are going to talk about Doctor Who. Yay! Who's that? Yay. I know. Exactly. <laughs> Is he a doctor? Is he yes. not a doctor? I don't know. Does he have a PhD in awesome? You know, it's really unclear. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. he's a doctor of like, just, like he's a PhD doctor, and other times he's a medical doctor, and it changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has he been a dentist yet? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> that has not been mentioned to our knowledge. No, but he, uh, yeah, it's it's gone back and forth. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. So anyone's game there. Right. So. <laughs> Doctor Who, we were, I mean, we could do an entire podcast about just Doctor Who. There's so much in it. Yeah. I imagine there, I bet you there is. Oh, I'm certain. Oh, I'm certain. Yeah. <laughs> Already a Doctor Who podcast. Yeah, there has to be. There has to be several. Mm-hmm. You just, you start looking into it and you suddenly find <laughs> this rabbit hole yeah. and you feel, you just start, you know, you, you just edge your foot there and then you just all of a sudden find yourself just falling down. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, I, I like felt myself, I, I was losing myself while I was researching for this episode. It's just <laughs> so much stuff. I And I've been watching the show for almost 10 years mm-hmm. and I just, <laughs> I, there, I didn't, I didn't know shit before mm-hmm. I was yeah. researching this yeah. yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, so, you thought amazing. you knew everything. Yeah, when really you Hon- knew nothing. Honestly, I thought I knew more than oh, I yeah. actually did. There's mm-hmm. like there's a phrase something something along the lines of the more you discover, the more you don't know. Like <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you realize I. It, it's definitely crazy. It's really fun, but we had a lot of fun researching this episode. We've got books on Doctor Who. Yeah. We, we like to you know we fancy ourselves Doctor Who fans, but. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Some real Whovians. That's right. Yeah. That's them. us. Adam that is, is also us. a Whovian. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a few a years baddie. to get him into it, but eventually, <laughs> eventually we got him to watch Doctor What are you watching? <laughs> Cheesy sci-fi garbage. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You know what the thing the thing is about that? Just to, just to clarify what I said. Um, <laughs> there is some cheese, but it's like such, it's good cheese. Yeah, it's yeah, delicious cheese. It's, so edible. And it's not like, it's it's not that often. But like the cheese that's there is just, oof. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Mamma mia. The old Love show it. is a little cheesier. Right, uh, yeah. We, and so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, we are. We're going to go back in time. Yes. Not quite space, I suppose, but back in time <laughs> for us. Yeah, we're going to stay in the same spot. <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar... With Doctor Who, many Americans listening might be a little bit unfamiliar with it. You might have heard about it, but you don't know much about it. Like like me, apparently, mm-hmm. obviously, I guess. <laughs> I. Um, anyway, Doctor Who is the longest running sci-fi show in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, a, there's, I think, I, a, almost 90 episodes of it are totally lost to time. 
Wait, really? Yes. Mm -hmm. As in, nope, you can't watch them anymore? Nope. Really? Yeah, totally gone. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's been around for quite some time. It originally ran from 1963 to 1989. Then it was canceled. Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then it came back in 1996 for a movie. And then uh, it was quiet for a bit. And then it was rebooted in 2005. Where... I came to love, well, maybe not in 2005, but like, <laughs> I came to love it not long after I that, came I to look like. at it in 2005, and yes. then I was like, mm. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Adam was on, not into good. it. Yeah, Adam, no, Adam actually, passed No, no, no. I, I didn't, I had no idea it was a thing until you guys mm. talked about it. I, I, I never really watched the BBC or really any British things right. at all, frankly, except for like yeah. Top Gear was the yeah, one show. Yeah, we, I think we're kind of at a big disadvantage Mm-hmm. here because we don't get to see their basic shows over in the uk right. like they have bbc one and we don't have that i don't know that i guess the united states just isn't as into yeah not only british humor but just like british TV. british things yeah 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 no it's weird it's it's definitely i've heard that a lot and it is really sad to hear people say that yeah it's to, yeah. to to dismiss an entire an entire country oh, be can, like ah, i don't like any of your stuff yeah you can still appreciate america's independence and, and enjoy <laughs> and enjoy yeah, things from great britain oh yeah. man but yeah so anyway like, like fish and chips mm-hmm. yeah or like, don't say I. You know, I can't have tea. I can only have coffee. You know, gross. Like, yeah. yeah. They they do get upset when we say we drink uh, iced tea, though. Yeah. They're really. Like, well, that's cold it's tea. It's an abomination. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like when we we microwave it either. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah, anyway. I at least don't do that. So. <laughs> yeah. That's why we threw it in the <laughs> harbor. <laughs> the first iced tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Okay, so yeah, it, um, so then it was rebooted in 2005, as we said, and it didn't have just one creator, which made it a show that could shift in format as needed. There's three very important names, Sidney Newman, Donald Wilson, and C.E. Weber. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, generally, I think a lot of the time people credit Sidney Newman as the creator of Doctor Who. But what happened was that, you know, in in early 1963, one of the higher ups at BBC One noticed that there was an an empty spot in the programming. He was the chief of programs. And he tapped Sidney Newman, who had just come over from, I think, Canada? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He also created the Avengers. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Not not Iron Man and you know Captain America. Avengers as in the British television show that my father loved when he was a kid mm-hmm. is a very much loved television show. Was it a show about heroes of some kind or they what? were more like detectives oh okay yeah and they solved crimes they and were it, doing actual adventuring. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was pretty cool it was kind of like a james bondish show except that there's two of them and a man and a woman oh cool yeah and it was very popular in the 1960s so he had just he he was part of that show too so he made two incredible shows yeah damn. obviously yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah. newman tapped donald wilson to help him kind of start coming up with ideas for the for the show that they they knew that they needed to fill a block and they wanted it to be something that would be appealing to the younger crowd and the older crowd it kind of needed to appeal to everybody because it was going on between two different shows that two different demographics mm-hmm. yeah and they knew they wanted it to be an adventure show that was kind of all they knew so they started to have these meetings and they had some focus groups and this is where they kind of came up with the key concepts for the show you know, he had the idea of, like, maybe it was a scientist of some kind, and he was traveling around in some sort of ship. And, you know, and this is you know, this is where they came up with the idea that it was a time machine, and that not only did it move through time, it also moved through space, which is an incredibly important distinction, <laughs> because in a lot of TV shows, right? whenever somebody invents a time machine, it just moves through space. But you should always kind of you know, specify that it can do that. Right. Because if it's a true time machine, it really doesn't. It just moves in time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you just... end up in the same location. Yes. In a different time. Like right. In this case, it's like a, a, a spaceship also. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So it could do all the spaceshipy things too. <laughs> yeah. 
Except I don't think it has any weapons on it. The TARDIS? Like, yeah. Look, I, I wouldn't say it has phasers, though. No, 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 it <laughs> right? doesn't. It, it doesn't. definitely has defense. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Stuff like that. But it's incredibly advanced, but yeah. I guess he doesn't need them. No, not, no. not really. Yeah, because he's a pacifist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of those concepts came out of those meetings, and especially one of the things that, about the show that was really important, especially early on, was that it was a Western-style show. Right. So you've got you're just cycling through villains. This is the idea that it was going to be a new villain every week. It's going to be someone different. And but the main protagonist would stay the same. Mm-hmm. And they thought, you know, we're going to have somebody who is kind of maybe like a doctor or a scientist, you know, and this is this is when they were really coming up with the good stuff. And C.E. Weber, who wrote the original script for the first episode, it got changed later, but we'll talk about that in a second. He was the one that came up with the main characters, and he described the, the very main character as a frail old man lost in space and time, and they called him the Doctor. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Have you? To be exiles? Nice. So Donald Wilson and C.E. Weber described the Doctor's ship as a magic door, where the outside is an ordinary object you might find on the street, but the inside would be a marvelous collection of machinery. They wanted the ship to perform similar actions as time machines from science fiction, but they didn't want it to look like something from science fiction. Some wacky yeah. time machine. Yeah. If you guys, like... Uh, whenever you search for a time machine, there's always one that pops up. I, I can't remember where it's like a chair and like a swirly thing behind it with uh-huh. lights all around the edge. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit like the HG Wells. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Machine. That, that must be the one I'm thinking of where it's obviously a wacky. Yeah. Who knows what the heck mm-hmm. you can't tell what, which way is forward or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but this is obviously a, just a normal thing. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of, when I read that, it really reminded me of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. man. The idea yeah. that it's a magic, a magic door, door, right? Mm-hmm. Something very ordinary that people will most likely walk past and not notice, and then once you walk through it, you're in a different world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and that concept of it not looking like something from sci-fi is something that Newman really wanted to drive home. He did not want this show, (laughs) (laughs) as hilarious as it sounds, he didn't want it to really seem like a science fiction show. He wanted it to be kind of different. You know, he knew it it was science fiction, but he didn't want to fall into the norms and the stereotypes of science fiction that already existed. And there, oh boy, there was a lot (laughs) that uh, that already existed. So uh, Anthony Coburn became the person who actually really did write the script for the first episode. And he, he is the one who came, came up with the name for the ship, the TARDIS, mm-hmm. which stands for... Yes. Time and Relative Dimension in Space. Yes. Which, talking about the fact that, you know, you have to make sure that you're going to specify that it moves through time and space, that na- the TARDIS name for it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, just... Yeah. And what's interesting is I watched the first episode, the very first episode, and it is actually the doctor's granddaughter that says that she named it and oh. that she named it Time and Real- that she made that acronym for it. Oh, really? That's yeah. neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Well, I made up the name Tardis from the initials Time and Relative Dimension in Space. I thought you'd both understand when you saw the different dimensions inside from those outside. Let me get this straight. A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard, it can move anywhere in time and space. So uh, Newman appointed Verity Lambert to be the producer of this show. He chose a 27-year-old woman <laughs> that he worked with on... That is bold. Yeah, he worked Talking with on our previous... And he, yeah, she wasn't his first choice, but he did say later on... That she was the best choice, and that choosing her was the best thing that he ever, best choice he ever made for the show in general. Mm-hmm. And she nice. did, yeah. She faced a lot of problems. I, you know, I was reading about how difficult it was for her because people just didn't believe her that she was a producer. 
Mm-hmm. At least didn't, and I, I totally identify with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm 27. I look like I'm 16. You know, <laughs> people, people still ask for my parents when they drop packages off. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I, I totally, I totally understand. So uh, after that, they appointed Waris Hussein, a young man who was also he was 25 years old. Oh my god! And he was a director, and he was also born in India, and uh, he had a lot of trouble. He said with you know, being on the set and he kind of bonded with Verity a little bit because they were both kind of outsiders because he was the only Asian man there and she was the only woman. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, the only woman who was, you know, producing. <laughs> uh, a higher up yeah. woman, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they, you know, they kind of, and and that's something that's really cool when you think about the production of this show is that it was made by outsiders. Mm-hmm. It was made by people who were different and, you know, they wanted to make the show different and they really were they made something that was very very new yeah i mean they came from outside the box and you know it makes them thinking outside the box is like sometimes the best thing you know for a show or for something original you know that's that's if you follow certain norms like doctor who has to follow certain tropes right Mm -hmm. but then it's so out there because of you know new minds coming in to look at it it almost like it's created tropes by this point yeah you know because yeah. doctor a bit, it was yeah. so original at the time and i mean shoot still even now it does a lot of original stuff so yeah that's that's awesome yeah for for how young 27 and 25 <laughs> yeah i know oh my gosh <laughs> i can't imagine Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, yeah, they set, you know, they set the director in place and the producer and then they, you know, they put together a cast and they hired William Hartnell to play the first doctor. He was reluctant to play the role because it was technically a children's show and he didn't want to be on a children's show because it was an educational show. Originally, when this started, it was not. Like I said, mm-hmm. it was sci-fi, and they knew that they were pulling from sci-fi elements, but they were changing things a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. that The idea of it being a police box was totally original. You know, the idea... this, this That stuff was really cool, and they didn't want it to be super sci-fi. They wanted it to be more educational, and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they created these two characters that were teachers, and they decided, you know, well, they're going to... They're a science teacher and a history teacher, and they're going to, you know, help us learn about space and about history the aztecs and you know that kind of thing and they that was the idea in the beginning and a little more shall we say maybe boring (laughs) could you imagine if they went like the dora and blues clues route where they (laughs) where they address the audience like do you know what this is that's right (laughs) that would be ridiculous yeah Um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it, it was set between the time slot for kind of like the teenage type, you know, crowd uh, yeah. and then the adult type crowd. So they were like trying to find yeah. a nice medium right. that could like fit both of those groups. Try, trying to blur the line where a lot of times on, it happens a lot on like Nickelodeon here and stuff like that where it's so abrupt, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. where it's like, oh, cartoons, cartoons. A boring adult show, like, <laughs> yeah. in, immediately after that. So, yeah, it's a good way to blur the lines. So, the first episode that was originally written by C.E. Weber um, that te- didn't end up airing was too technically difficult to perform. So, they replaced it with an episode called An Unearthly Child, written by Anthony Coburn, who took aspects of the original first episode and retooled them. The first companions were Ian and Barbara, who were school teachers, and his granddaughter Susan. Yeah, the doctor's granddaughter Susan. Yes. So yeah. we had you had three companions to yes. start out with. That's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Yeah. So essentially, in the first episode, which actually Marcy can tell us about. Yeah. Yeah. So the general plot of it is that these two teachers have this student Susan, who um, is they can tell is very smart, but she like knows a little bit more or she gets bored with the classes and um is questioning a lot and they're like okay something's going on we need to figure out like for some reason i can't remember why they they want to go find out where she lives where she goes at night 
because they want to make kind of make sure that she's safe and that like you know that kind of stuff so they follow her um and they're like are we doing the right thing is this okay <laughs> they kind of are struggling with it but they're like okay let's you know we got to do this it is so, kind of weird that they followed her yeah it yeah. is it is a bit strange yeah <laughs> but um she goes into this like abandoned kind of looking building in a way and um she just kind of disappears they they walk in and they're like susan susan like where are you susan hello your stalkers are here yeah exactly (laughs) and the doctor comes out and he's like you know hi like what what are you doing here and they're like we're looking for susan and he's like who like what are you talking about i didn't see a young girl come in here (laughs) that's so weird And so they're, like, thinking that he's, like, hiding her away somewhere. Like, yeah. Susan, are you okay? Like, and, um, but she ends up coming out and they end up, you know, in the TARDIS because, you know, they're like, well, what, what is, you know, that yeah. or whatever. And so Susan kind of pulls them in and they end up on an, a kind of an adventure. There you so, go. So. Yeah. They yeah. whisk away yeah. into time. Away. <laughs> <laughs> so the first recording of that episode, the uh, Newman, the showrunner, he was not happy with. Oh, he no. did not like it. He felt like the doctor was too abrasive and that his granddaughter Susan was too weird, apparently. <laughs> I don't know what that means and I don't know how that, you know. But probably because she, she was too smart. She was a nerd. <laughs> she was too strange. Yeah. yeah. So he gave them a chance to do it again. He gave hmm. you know the Hussein and Lambert a, an opportunity to you know give it a, give it another go, and he liked it. He liked the new version. So, hmm. uh, you know, after months of work, on November twenty third, nineteen sixty three, Doctor Who ran its very first episode, hmm. and the ratings weren't great, but because of a couple of things, one, because there was a blackout in London at the time. So, you know, people aren't going to watch something if they can't. That's true. Uh, so That's that, unfortunate. Yeah, that was a little bit of a shame. Also, because uh, the world was still mourning the loss of President Kennedy, who had just uh. been killed one day earlier in the motorcade. Oh. So uh, it, it was definitely, you know, it was the 60s, <laughs> you know, kind of a tumultuous time. <laughs> yeah. It very, yeah. So, you know, that, you know, it wasn't super, but they actually did... You know, they re-released the episode before the next week's episode, which they I don't think they ever did again, but they did it this time because it was, you know, it, it wasn't really fair. The first mm-hmm. episode wasn't really fair, so they went ahead and did it again. And it got pretty good ratings at that point. So in the early development and throughout the first season, and I feel like kind of throughout most of the original show, the, the show didn't have a whole big, like, didn't have a really big budget. And this was a big problem in the beginning. They were, you know, a sci-fi show kind of tends to need a lot of money. They only had about 2,300 pounds per episode to spend. And I know, like, to us it sounds like nothing. But it, it is 1963, so that is some money. But still, it's not... Still not, not enough for a sci-fi show. Yeah, <laughs> and they weren't given great space to record they were they were sent to older studios they had older equipment it wasn't they they were having a really hard time you know they were the show they weren't confirmed the network wasn't confirming that they were going to pick up the show for another season and uh, you know so there there was a lot of things going on that were kind of tough and uh, when the show introduced in its second serial it introduced the most notorious villain in doctor who history i think And definitely, you know, really brought things together. The Daleks. Your legs are paralyzed. You will recover shortly, unless you force us to use our weapons again. In that case, the condition will be permanent. Yes. Right. And I think it's very funny because the Daleks, you know the doctor's number one arch nemesis mm-hmm. like helped keep him alive <laughs> it helped save the show because yeah. you know it definitely cemented the writings and let everybody be like oh you know what this is a kind of a co- kind of a cool show it's kind of sweet so there were a couple problems with that mm-hmm. the creator did have one of the creators <laughs> he was he was one of three creators but he did have some issues one he was angry because uh, the scriptwriter made Susan the doctor's granddaughter. And uh, 
it was because he wanted the doctor to be completely shrouded in mystery. Mm-hmm. The idea was that he didn't want anyone in the audience to really know anything about him. And uh, giving away personal information like that... Like the fact that he has a granddaughter. Yeah. yeah. It, it made him seem less mysterious, and he didn't like that. Because the idea of the show, which I never really understood, and, and it, it's a little frustrating for someone like me who wants to know everything about, <laughs> <laughs> about yes. everything. So the, the idea of the show is that we're not really supposed to know who the Doctor is. We're not actually supposed to understand where he comes from or who he is. And when we meet him, we're supposed to be looking at him through the eyes of the companions who don't really know him mm-hmm. that well. And that's why things change and the show shifts a lot and timelines are weird and it's a little crazy and complicated. <laughs> and it's because that's kind of the way they wanted the show to be in the beginning. They wanted it to be kind of ambiguous and you should be able to interpret the show however you want to interpret it. So he was a little upset about that, but the scriptwriter got away with it because, you know, he ha- he basically told him, look, um, we have an elderly man and a teenage girl hanging out together. I have to make some sort of connection between the two. That's not super weird. And yep. so, granddaughter it was. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Because <laughs> it would be. It would be yes. super creepy. Yes. Super weird. I was talking about the Daleks, and he was a little upset about the Daleks too because he felt like the producer Lambert had (laughs) betrayed him (laughs) she was not supposed to bring in monsters that were very sci-fi-y or you know Mm -hmm. B-movie sci-fi-esque type of monsters and that made him mad that she did it that she brought in somebody that seemed very you know know, they come from out of space you know that kind of stuff I mean when you look at them they have you know flashing lights and yeah. One big robot eye and they we they're on like wheels or something, you know, and they talk in a robot voice. Yeah. Exterminate. <laughs> so yeah. it's like Yeah. And so he was a little upset about it, but then when he went to see her, she told him, Look, it's okay because these are victims of mutation. They've survived like a nuclear war and so they're not actually robots. They're organic creatures that are hanging out inside the shells of these robots and that's that's what they are and also they're modeled after the nazis Mm -hmm. the idea is that they want to kill anything that is not like them Mm -hmm. which is the point of their catchphrase you will be So, in 1966, the showrunners were met with a difficult situation. Yes. So, William Hartnell, his health started to decline. Mm. Um, So, they knew that he was going to be unable to play the role forever because he had the possibility of dying very soon. So, the story editor, Jerry David, and producer Inez Lloyd came to an agreement with Hartnell that he should pass the role on. They didn't like the idea of simply recasting, so they came up with this, like, brilliant idea. Right. That the doctor could change his face, and they will call it regeneration. So this has really become the most genius idea what of an, the show. What a brilliant... I, mean, you I can, can't... You imagine the moment they came up with that. Yeah. Like, I... You know what I mean? They're like, what do we, what do we tell the kids? And then it's just, wait a minute. He's from outer space, right? Couldn't he just, I don't know, like, change his Make face? it one of his powers. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute brilliance. Oh, so, so smart. That's a really... Uh-huh. So, yeah, it allowed them to recast whenever they wanted. And that's still what they Super do. easy. Mm-hmm. On yeah. the show. Yeah. So, that's pretty much what we have for generally the basic history of the show. Mm-hmm. There is a lot more, folks. There's yeah. so much more. You could just... yeah. Yep. If you want, go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. It's there. I mean, yeah, the idea that the, the, because of the idea that the doctor can regenerate and change, being able to recast whenever they want, they don't have to worry about people getting older. They don't have to worry about anything. They could just, the things that are the same are things that they can like make, like a Dalek, for example. That probably is why the, you know, a good reason why the show lasts so long. Oh yeah. And because it's been going for so long, there's so much to it. Like Uh, just it builds and builds and builds and builds. Yeah. Like 
I've I will admit that I've only watched the reboot. I haven't seen any of the original show. But they reference old stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, when they first bring up the Daleks in the in the new series, they're like, Oh, you know, here's all this history about these guys and it's like, Oh my gosh, it goes (laughs) back all the way to the first thing, you know. Mm -hmm. But like Doctor Who over all of these years have been able to keep all of those little things consistent, like, oh, back in episode seven, we (laughs) said this one thing and it's still important all the way here at the the brand new episode. It's like we remember that, you know. That kind of stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> and we know we know that this show is very daunting. So if you have never mm. seen it, there are a lot of episodes. I mean, we won't lie, there are. But yeah. it's really good and we really <laughs> enjoy it. I think so that yeah, that's like the biggest. Please give it a chance. <laughs> okay, we're gonna take a little break right now. And I wanna know, do you enjoy the Black Case Diaries? Well, if so, the Podcoin app pays you to listen to this podcast and every podcast. It's the podcast player that pays. Just get the app free on iPhone or Android. You can use the PodCoin you earn to claim gift cards or donate to charity. Use our invite code BLACKCASE, all in caps, and you'll get 300 PodCoin right away. Also, earn PodCoin faster by listening to bonus podcasts like the Black Case Diaries and others. We So we talked about the history of the original show and how it got started, which is all super interesting to us. Mm-hmm. And so there was a first Doctor, right? And then a second, mm-hmm. and then a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, and a seventh. So it kind of went <laughs> on and on and on and on for, for a good amount of time. And uh, throughout that time period, we did learn some things about the Doctor. And so we're going to talk about who the Doctor actually is. Mm-hmm. So we already talked about Susan, his granddaughter, and mm-hmm. how we kind of know from her that he has a granddaughter. That's already a gigantic clue. Mm-hmm. I know that it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is. Because throughout the show, they really hint at him having children, but they never actually say, like that. he says he has had children, but you never see them. You don't know anything about them. We don't know anything about his kids. <laughs> if you just watch the show, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. We don't know a lot about it. And so the fact that there's a granddaughter, we know that one of his kids had a child at at Mm. some point. And And we... Yeah, he had to have had a kid. (laughs) Right. And we know that Susan... And and it's been debated whether or not Susan is actually Gallifreyan. Well, we know she's probably Gallifreyan. But we don't know for certain if she's actually his biological granddaughter. Mm. But, I mean, she very well could be. And so... So that's something that is really, you know, a little bit of information that we have on the Doctor that we kind of gets hinted about throughout the show. Because even though, even today, they still don't really want us to know that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. They try to hide it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, but one of the other only things that we know about the Doctor is that he is the only known survivor from the war between the Daleks and the Time Lords. Right. So the Time Lords were lost along with their home planet of Gallifrey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even really name Gallifrey until like partway through the old series and the race of the Time Lord. And like all of that stuff was like, as they went, they kind of made that stuff up. Right. <laughs> Eventually, people asking enough questions, like you yeah. gotta give them something. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And... I also want to say Time Lords and Gallifreyans are not the same. Mm-hmm. They talk in the show as if there's sometimes where they say they talk as if they're interchangeable, you know, like, yeah, like I'm, my race is Time Lord. Everyone, like it's my race. everyone from Gallifrey is a Time yeah. Lord. And but it, it doesn't quite make sense that they would all be Time Lords, mostly because there are episodes of the old show where there, it takes place on Gallifrey and you see people on Gallifrey get shot and they don't regenerate. Right. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't have been. And they're not allowed to have aliens on Gallifrey. So it's like against the rules or something. Oh. So, yeah. So it's like, it. so there has to be Gallifreyans that aren't, that don't regenerate. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's just like one of those things that you have to kind of like try to figure out mm-hmm. <laughs> as time goes on. So, yeah, what you said about the time war, that's true. Mm-hmm. Right? And then we kind of... You know, in the reboot, we learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, we learn that's how that happened true. and all that stuff. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, keeping him in as much mystery as possible. <laughs> that was from the um, the special, wasn't it? Yes, they talk about it in the yes. special. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
very, very good. So much of what we know about the Doctor is steeped in mystery, and honestly, that's the way they meant it to be. Andrew Cartmill in the 1980s purposely threw in details to create more mystery around the Doctor. This was known as the Cartmill Master Plan. That even sounds very like... (laughs) Like, you know, you can see the hand, the fingers just like Mm -hmm. together. (laughs) Yeah, as time went on, we knew too much about him. Yeah. And so they decided that they would start throwing in details and hints at things, kind of subtle... You know, jabs like, oh, well, and a lot of it was mostly hinting at the idea that the doctor was more than just a time lord, that he was maybe like one of something that was incredibly, incredibly powerful and maybe like one of the one of the entities that created Gallifrey or, you know, created time lords. It was just a very and the the sad thing is that the plan never went to fruition because the show got canceled. And so a lot of those hints. And things kind of went nowhere. Yeah. And it is kind of interesting, having watched even just the new series, he does seem very powerful. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Even though he's very passive most of the time, he does seem very powerful. It's funny that you said that, too, because when the show picked back up, Mm -hmm. they didn't, like, talk, they didn't pursue those stories, but they did, even the old showrunners and the new showrunners agreed that the shows were very similar in tone and that they Mm. were kind of carrying on those concepts just not those specific stories Mm -hmm. Ah, i see yeah so yeah nice the a lot of that too was heavily (laughs) sorry was heavily explored in a book series okay yeah there's a series of novels that like talk about the master plan but they're generally not thought of as canon the really fun thing about Doctor Who that I've learned in the past couple of days <laughs> is that there's a whole lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of information. And we just kind of get to decide whether or not it's canon. Nice. Everyone just argues yeah. about it. And it's no one really. Yeah, there's no real. I mean, I, I would guess that really just the, the show is canon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then everything else, it's That's like, who knows? It. You know, Soft it's, cannon. it's, that's very interesting because we talked about how the original creator, like one of the original creators wanted to have it be where you kind of got to make it what you wanted it to be. Right. And I feel like because there's so many of these different things in it, that it, his idea kind of came to fruition. I think you can believe what you want to believe. You can make canon to yourself what you want to be canon Mm -hmm. essentially right so there are a few more things that we do know about the doctor like i said before we know he had kids at some point in time not much else in that department do we really know uh he has 13 (laughs) lives time lords have 13 lives and we know that for certain especially from the 1996 film they make that very clear they say (laughs) in the movie that that is all time lords get is 13 and uh, also he is half human this is another thing mm. that is brought up in the movie, and it is very—it was very strange for me to hear that, <laughs> like for them to say, "Yeah, he's—I'm half human." It happens. It, it's a big part of the film. So if you if you count the movie as canon, then he absolutely is because it's actually a major plot point. Those are just some really basic details that we know about him. Like we know he stole the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. You know, yeah. we know why the TARDIS is a police box. Right? Yes, because its chameleon circuit is broken. Yeah, it was the last thing it, the last thing it changed into, uh, before it broke, and then he just liked it. So he didn't yeah, he fix just it. he thought it was classic. And yep. he just decided not to. Which is kind of silly with the reboot. It it, it works because it's still pretty inconspicuous. Mm-hmm. But when he goes to like the future or even <laughs> present day where we don't have those anymore. Yeah. It's like some people are like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they still have these? And then they go in and it's a spaceship. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's become iconic at this point. They, yeah. they'll never change it. When he stole the TARDIS, that's something that's kind of fun about the show. The TARDIS was already like a museum piece when he stole it. It was like old, mm-hmm. and he didn't really even know how to drive it. Yeah, it was like he stole something that was kind of like an artifact. Yeah, and he still he still seems to not really know how to drive yeah. it. It's the way it's built in every season seems like it's meant to be driven by a crew. 
yeah. of like maybe six people, <laughs> but it's just one. Usually. Yeah, because he's running around the he's whole console. He's running around the whole console trying to flip it, switches and press buttons to get it to go. And it's making this horrible yeah. grinding sound. Yes. But it's like the, you know, it's the sound everyone recognizes now. So, but it, it sounds incredibly old and yeah. almost broken, but it still works. Yeah. It's an incredible I th- machine. I think that is part of the plot a little bit sometimes too, is that it, it it's broken and it doesn't, he'll tell it to go someplace and it like doesn't go there because mm-hmm. it's, it goes where it, where he's needed. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it has a mind of its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I can't remember which episode it was, but I remember hearing him say offhand to somebody, I think he was talking to whoever his companion was, said something like, the companion was like, "Oh, they when they built that thing or whatever," and he goes, "Oh no, they're grown." Yeah, the yeah. Tardises are grown, which mm-hmm. is very weird to think about a yeah. machine being grown. But then when you get deep into it and you realize that it's mm-hmm. kind of alive, it's like a living yeah. organism. Then yeah. yeah, it makes sense because it's got a heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's episodes about it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. So yeah, I mean there there are a lot of like little clues that you can piece together throughout while you're watching and and we're going to talk about each doctor from the old series individually and so that that'll kind of help us get get through that. But mm-hmm. before we talk about those, I just want to talk t- take one second and talk about why the show was canceled in 1989. Marcy. Yeah, it's oh such a tragedy okay yeah 1989 so there's a bit of debate around this um but it seems that there's a lot of people that uh, that believe that the reason that this show was canceled is because of the commander of the bbc at the time who was michael grade that he purposely killed off this show that he hated sci-fi he thought this was low budget, it, you know, that kind of stuff that he purposely. So, for example, there is a, and there's actually a clip of this on YouTube. Um, it, was, it was a Room 101 interview where he says that he hates sci-fi. And, <laughs> yeah, so he, there's actually, you know, it, it's video evidence. Yeah. This isn't speculation. He actually said this. Because Room 101, if you, for those of you who don't know, because I know I didn't know at the time, Room 101 is a BBC show where the person interviewed tells their hates and they try to motivate the host to banish it to Room 101. And Room 101 is in reference to the torture room in George Orwell's book, 1984. I thought it was pathetic. I mean, I'd seen uh, Star Wars and I'd seen Close Encounters Mm -hmm. and Mm E.T. And then I had to watch these cardboard things probably (laughs) clonking across the floor, trying to scare kids. You know, Mm -hmm. you just sit and laugh at it. Mm -hmm. I actually hate sci-fi to begin Uh, with, so I'm not a sci-fi fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it seemed to me that Doctor Who was was caught in a time warp. Mm. Yeah. So... In this interview, he essentially applied that it was low budget and past its prime and that, yeah, it just, it was bad. (laughs) It's just, it's so shitty to cancel a show because it's not for you. Yeah. That's such a terrible thing to do. It's a a bad decision to make. And also, just the fact... (laughs) The fact that he said it was low budget makes mm-hmm. me so angry. Yeah. Because Oh my gosh. Why he I know in, in the interview I watched it and we're gonna we're gonna clip do a clip to it so that you can see it too. But it, it makes me mad because he's like, Well, I've seen Star Wars and Star Wars looks better than this show and it's like, Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously Star Wars is gonna look better. They have a better budget. They yeah. have more they have more people. Yeah. You know, and that's a major motion picture. This is a weekly sci fi mm-hmm. television show. I like how one of the people behind the show is like, oh, man, why doesn't the show have more budget? Yeah. (laughs) The guy who could say, yeah, let's give the show more budget. Like, you really? Are you fucking kidding? Exactly. And that is what a lot of people have said. They're like, you know what? It's interesting that you are the commander of BBC (laughs) and you are saying that it was low budget when you probably had all the means to say, hey, let's put a little bit more money into this and make it better. He also, um, he moved the show slot to a time that was not good. It was a bad Mm -hmm. slot. 
was it like so therefore it was in a way to justify low ratings because he essentially created low ratings yeah wow. and then just it was like the time to cancel you, the show move it yeah. to like midday yeah like where everyone's either at work or school essentially yeah it was i mean because it, it used to i mean it, i don't know when it's on now but it used to be on like saturday mm-hmm. it was saturday tea time was when mm-hmm. it when it was Saturday on, afternoon when it was originally yeah airing. I think five to yeah. something yeah nice. around five fifteen I think mm-hmm. PM or something like that yeah prime and then it got moved I believe it was mon- to Monday oh, or something Mondays yeah oh yeah. no it only was... Americans watch TV on Mondays I, yeah right? <laughs> I'm just kidding it was I mean sen- Monday it... Night Football is coming up <laughs> so a lot of people have referred to him as. An actual who villain. An actual asshole yeah. is what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> Dude, uh, he's he was worse for the show than the Daleks. He, yeah, I mean, Daleks saved that seriously. show. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there, there. I have to thank him a little bit because I feel like if he hadn't canceled it, we probably wouldn't have the same exact reboot that we have now, and maybe I wouldn't have gotten into it. Maybe. So even though I'm not a fan of his, because that's stupid of you to cancel a show because you don't like it or the because like you don't like the genre. S- genre. Yeah. Yes. I have. So you know, I have to think that maybe overall, maybe it was it was good. Yeah. But still not a fan. I mean, there, it was a it's bit a campy. silver lining. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he. I mean, it was campy. He was right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, come on. Like, like I we, know. Like you were saying yeah. earlier, it was primo cheese. It was like good. <laughs> Yes. Right. <laughs> like you can tell when there's bad cheese. Yes, you uh, always yeah. know it's bad cheese. It oh, stinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go through each doctor. We're gonna talk about a couple highlights from them, some things that we know about them, and just you know just discuss them generally. And uh, we're gonna stop. I think somewhere at, we're gonna stop at the 1996 movie, and then next week we're gonna pick up. And we're going to talk about the new, the Doctors of the Reboot. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about monsters. And it's going to be a grand old time. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, Adam, do you want to talk about the first Doctor? Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> well, we talked about William Hartnell earlier. The very first Doctor. He wore a wig for his part, which is pretty silly. Um, and it was the first to give way to regeneration. We talked yeah. about that. Because, you know, his health problem. So... They had to figure out what to do. Yeah. Absolute genius. So his granddaughter, the actress who played her, she wanted to leave the show. She kind of had be- had reached pop star status. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, she felt like it was going to hurt her chances of get- landing more parts. And so she decided that she wanted to leave the show. And William Hartnell actually wrote her a letter asking her to stay. Because... He thought that she should stay on the show, Aww. and she still didn't anyway. Oh, no. So in the show, what happens is that he ends up leaving her, I believe, in the 22nd century in London. She falls in love with a serviceman or someone in the military, mm-hmm. and uh, he leaves her there to have a family. Aww. Well, I guess, it, okay. And I, and I always kind of wondered. It's not too bad. I always kind of wondered, like... Could she, could the doctor just run into her again? It's oh. not it's not impossible. He flies in time and space, and he, it's not like she would she may yeah. not recognize him. Yeah, I would think at the very least he could run into great grandchildren or something. I mean, you yeah. would have to think that she had kids, right? Right? But, right. But at that point, would he would he know? That's right. true. You know, he I might just, not know that. But maybe that would they be a really would. interesting interesting episode. Maybe they why. would. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so that, you know, she was actually the first person to leave the show. And, you know, when she left the show, it showed everybody that it was now bigger than the actors. That mm-hmm. they could now recast and that they could have different companions. And, you know, this is when Nobody's they kind of... safe. Yeah, they started to move on from <laughs> Ian and Barbara. And they kind of started to, you know, they recast the Doctor. And so, yeah. The, nice. the second one we have here... Uh, Patrick Troughton was the second person to play the Doctor, although he had a few ideas on how to play the character. The final decision was the model of the cosmic hobo. (laughs) 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 I love that so much. Which is amazing. He's a cosmic hobo. (laughs) Yeah, this was suggested by Sidney Newman. Um, 
inspired by Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. We all know who Charlie Chaplin is. And, right. Uh, yeah. Kind of this bumbling, you know, <laughs> doing his best kind of guy, right? Yeah. Which is a which is a hilarious juxtaposition from the the very previous Doctor. So, you know, it really showed that this show was gonna do whatever it wanted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I Sidney Newman had a lot of great ideas. I think he, he, it, really he actually I did read that he wanted a female doctor a long time ago. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. He he called them at one point and was like, All right, I think it's time for a, a time lady. It's pretty funny um, how, because they joke. They joke about that in the show. Mm-hmm. Every time he regenerates, he'll make some kind of thing like, oh, yeah, not yeah. I'm still a guy uh, <laughs> or something like still that. Still not ginger. Yeah. Still not yeah. Ginger. That kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I guess he was also known for being a practical joker. Yeah. Oh. On set, he was. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could expect that playing from the, the part. doctor. From yeah. the doctor. It from a, from your own, from your regular old cosmic hobo. <laughs> <laughs> it fits. Did That's... he have any patches on his clothes? <laughs> he probably did. It was like a hologram Possibly. patch because he's from the future. <laughs> he also was the first one that didn't want to be typecast. Mm-hmm. So he did oh. not stay very long. And I find that pretty hilarious. Yeah. So because many he them. was only the second doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he didn't want to be typecast. Kind of wasted his second life there. <laughs> But there are also a lot of other doctors later on that they also did not want mm. to be typecast. Right. One of them, pa- Patrick Troughton, even told to only stay. Like, he told them, like, you should only stay three, three years. You don't want to be typecast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next doctor we have is John Pertwee. He was known for his Edwardian dandy style. So what does he was that mean? very... Elegant, very, oh. very fancy. Oh, I say. Yes, yes. Um, and for the majority of his time as the Doctor, he was actually exiled by the Time Lords to Earth <laughs> and served as a scientist to advise what was acronymed as UNIT, the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. Which has a lar- really big role in the, in the reboot. Mm-hmm. There's all, so much of it. But yeah, there's a lot of it in this. And I think... When he's working for Unit there, that's when he first comes into contact with the, the nesting consciousness. Mm-hmm. Oh. The plastic people. Nice. Yeah. If you don't if you don't remember plastic yeah. the plastic people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they come back for sure. Brought back by Christopher Eccleston. Yes. So after that we have I think the most famous doctor from the old show. Besides William Hartnell, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Tom Baker. Yeah. Yes. This this he comes up a lot when people are asked who their favorite doctor is yeah. or or like when you see a bunch of people dressed up as doctors mm-hmm. at Comic-Con or something like that you can always pick out yeah. um, Tom Baker from that so He had a bit of an iconic look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really kind of uh accidental really yeah. from what I, what we've all heard yeah. that the his iconic scarf was actually meant to look differently. Uh, but the designer that ended up making it misunderstood and ended up using all those yeah. colors. They they gave her the yarn. They gave her like all the yarn. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they didn't explain to her how they wanted the scarf to be made. So she just knitted a scarf out of all of the yarn that she was given. <laughs> nice. And so she made this really long scarf with all these colors and he loved it, so he wore it anyway. That's yeah. great. Yeah. It is quite amazing. Yeah. But he was also the longest to play the role from 1974 all the way to 1981. Wow. Yeah. I, I wonder if that has something to do with why so many people like him. Maybe, I'm not saying that he didn't do a good job, but like it covered such a long period right. that people mm-hmm. got used to him. And then looking back, they're like, oh man, I really liked that. He had some of the most famous companions as yes. well. I think I think some of the um, like very few companions from the old show have been in the new show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this would be an example. Yeah, they, they may have made new appearances. But they are Sarah Jane and K-9. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the robotic... K9. <laughs> bark, bark. <laughs> oh, oh, so endearing. So cute. Oh. 
forget me. Oh, Sarah. Don't you forget me. Bye, Doctor. Bye. You know, travel does broaden the mind. Yes. Till we meet again, Sarah. And he, he loved um, Sarah Jane so much that as he was dying from radiation, he goes back to Earth to spend the rest of it with Sarah Jane and before, before he, he regenerates. regenerates. That's so sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Aww. Yeah. Out of all the people he probably met mm -hmm. in time and space, he's like, mm -hmm. this one. Especially yeah, this out of those seven years. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a long time. So next we have Peter Davison, and actually we asked on Twitter what everybody's favorite doctor was, and we got a few different answers, and I think it was band posters in movie bedrooms. Yeah, they had one of our followers on Twitter, hello guys, and uh, they said Peter Davison was one of their favorite doctors when they were younger before the reboot. I tried keeping a diary once, not chronological of course, but the trouble with time travel is... One never seems to find the time. So, and that's, I think, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Because he's actually, he's, he's actually uh, David Tennant's father-in-law <laughs> in real life. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, just for, yeah. So, there's an episode in the, new, in the new show called The Doctor's Daughter. And the woman who plays the Doctor's Daughter is actually the daughter of the Doctor. She's actually the daughter of Peter Davison. And uh, she married... David Tennant. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. Isn't that cool? Hey. He's the doctor, and he's also the son of the doctor, or a daughter, or a son-in-law of the doctor. And... Uh, oh, my gosh. That was, the, that was the sequel to the movie, Son of Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't very successful. So, <laughs> when he was cast as the doctor, he was only 29 years old. And at the time, he was the youngest to ever do it. Mm -hmm. He's known to wear a question mark on his collar. Yep, he was the first one out of three. So then we move on to Colin Baker. And he was known for his colorful costume. And the co he also had a question mark on his white collar. And he, he was pretty fairly well known. You still seem a, a little unstable. Unstable? 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 This is me, Perry. At this very moment, I am as stable as you will ever see me. Uh, but he was unceremoniously fired. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. So if you remember that lovely Michael Grade that we talked about earlier, he had Colin Baker fired. Yeah. Supposedly um, it was because he, he didn't like him. <laughs> this guy sucks. This guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Anything he doesn't like cuts What it. an asshole. Uh, Apparently, he said he was utterly unlikable, absolutely god-awful, in fact. Wow, that is so harsh. It's kind of rough. It's a rough thing to, uh, to uh. say. So when they, when they fired him unceremoniously, he, they hadn't filmed his regeneration scene yet. So that was kind of stupid. That was Whoops. very stupid. Yeah, it was kind of dumb on their part. So they asked him to come back to shoot the regeneration scene. He said no. Well, yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah. I don't blame him. And it would have made a lot of sense if they had just, like, they didn't do a regeneration scene. If they just, mm -hmm. like, assumed that he regenerated off camera. Mm -hmm. That would have made more sense. But no. Instead, they made the most <laughs> god-awful, laughable, ridiculous regeneration scene ever in Doctor Who. And it's so funny. So, the new Doctor is Sylvester McCoy. And he's wearing a blonde wig. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> and, and he's just laying on... So the doctor... This doctor needs to regenerate because he bonked his head. Oh. <laughs> on Probably on the console. On the console, yeah. They're like in a fight. He, he hits his head and the console is... Oh, he's dead now. Oh, shit. Yeah. Damn. And so then... Uh, yeah. And so then he regenerates. But in the yeah, end, the scene, it's just like him on the ground. He's wearing a blonde... The new doctor's on the ground with a blonde wig on. And then they just kind of obscure his face as he begins to regenerate. And then it's like, oh, no, now he's a new doctor. Aww. The blonde wig just fades away. Wow. <laughs> Absolute trash. 
We we watched a clip of it online, and the clip's name was Colin Baker to Sylvester McCoy, and one of the top comments was, "You mean Sylvester McCoy to Sylvester McCoy?" (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, that's a that's a shame for Colin Baker, though. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of Sylvester McCoy, (laughs) yes. He wore a jumper with question marks all over it. Oh, the it Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> no. um, and his first appearance is in Time and the Ronnie. Ronnie? Something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know this, guys. You know, right? <laughs> um, he technically, because of that you know, really bad TV death scene. He technically played two incarnations of the doctor. Yeah. If you count him wearing the wig. <laughs> That's pretty great. Um, and it's a, he actually, it's an interesting credit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he, he used a slight Scottish accent because he is Scottish and, uh, he played the last doctor before the series was canceled. And one, Small little fact that I found interesting is that he is still the shortest to be the doctor. He would—he is five foot six inches. Wow, yeah. that's still taller than me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's short, shorter than Marcy, but it's yeah. taller than me. <laughs> but that's interesting that you know five foot six is the shortest. Like, yeah, that means yeah, everybody they, else is they taller. Picked, yeah, that. they picked wow. some pretty tall people, yeah. man. Yeah. He has to be powerful, you know, big and tall. I suppose. I don't know. (laughs) He always wears like, well, and a lot of times he'll wear like a huge jacket that just makes him just feel tall and he swoops swoops around when he runs. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it's interesting, too, that he's Scottish. David Tennant's Scottish, Mm -hmm. and so is Peter Capaldi. Yeah, and they didn't let those two do it. Yeah, they didn't let David Tennant do his Scottish accent. I mean, I'm guessing that it was them not letting him do it. It had to be. I mean, goddamn, guys yeah guys listening if you like david tennant and you haven't heard his scottish accent watch some with a scottish accent yeah. because holy crap yeah if you don't know yes. he's actually scottish he's so scottish yeah. he doesn't he does a very good british accent for doctor yes. who but he's actually scottish i his regular voice is a very thick makes accent. me swoon like oh god he needs to narrate more more audiobooks Mm -hmm. oh there you go (sighs) anyway sorry i just i love (laughs) i love it i love his voice so much it's so good (laughs) oh yes (laughs) anyway oh Oh. (laughs) but we'll talk about him a little bit more right next episode yeah can you tell who our favorite doctor yeah we we (laughs) might talk at length about him but the last one that we're going to talk about tonight is Paul McGann, and he was the main one in the 1996 film. Yeah, I watched that. It's interesting. (laughs) It's definitely, it's weird because it takes place in America. At Mm. least I'm pretty, yeah, it takes place in San Francisco. Mm. So at the beginning of the movie, they actually have Sylvester McCoy play the doctor, and then he regenerates into Mm. Paul McGann. Uh, I see. Uh, He's very pretty interesting i say he's pretty like he's like kind of handsome wow. you know he's kind of dashing he sw- makes the lady swoon kind of sweeps the female protagonist off her feet i say yeah <laughs> and uh, so there's not really a lot to say about him because he really isn't just that one movie to the that movie i guess if we're going to talk about that right and as opposed to next week mm-hmm. one of the things in it that is really important for the reboot is that the heart of the TARDIS opens up and they can use it to to save people's lives, which is something that happens at the end of season one of the Mm -hmm. reboot. So, uh, you know, there's that the master is in this movie Mm. and uh, I would definitely recommend watching this. It actually takes place. It was filmed in 1996, but it takes place in 1999. Oh, and the big, and the big moment is of course, when the ball is going to drop and we're going to change into the <gasps> millennium. Yeah, so it's it's a very big, it's, it all hinges on that moment. Oh, no. Because, Y2K. Yeah, it's about, it, it follows the the master has lost, he has now died for the 13th time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctor has been tasked with taking his remains uh, back 
to I he's taking his remains I think to Gallifrey for them to be like dispo- disposed of or mm-hmm. whatever. But on the way, the master does some shit even from of the dead. Course. And you know he crashes and then the doctor gets shot and he ends up in the hospital. It's, oh it's a whole it's a whole thing. It's and a whole he, plot. <laughs> yeah, and then he dies and then he regenerates. So all right, yeah, Ta-da. yeah, and the whole movie is about the master trying to steal his body. So. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that. I think we were going to stop right around there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We will continue next week. Yes. Yeah, we're going to. So, this case is still a little bit open. You know, you know, in the original <laughs> show, what they wanted to do was have short episodes, but with a killer cliffhanger Ooh. to make sure that audiences would come back next week. So... Will we finish this episode? Will we talk about the new doctors? Ooh. Will we talk about the monsters in length? Yes. Find out next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>